What up, what up, what up everyone? Had to bring that one back for episode 400 of Combo's Court. We are here, the big four hondo. Thank you to everyone who tunes in to Combo's Court across the globe. The newer listeners, the longtime listeners, everyone in between. Appreciate you all. Thank you to everyone who tunes in. Combo Nation to the moon! Today's show, Schwinn of the Pod Strickland Podcast joins in to talk New York Knicks basketball. We discuss Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett's ceiling, Cam Reddish's development, and more. A fantastic conversation with Schwinn. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. of the pod strickland podcast welcome to combos court how are you uh i'm doing well how are you i'm doing well dealing with some podcast issues my podcast hasn't been populating on apple Podcasts for some reason I'm, i hope uh, to fix that soon most definitely why how how did you come up with the name pod strickland did you come up with it obviously rod strickland a new york great pod rhymes with rod i don't know if that has something to do with it but uh why the name pod uh, strickland uh, I mean, so we were just thinking of a site or a name for, basically, we were thinking about a name for the site. So we came up with the strict.land. And then um, actually, one of the uh, co-founders, he had actually had a pod like way, way before, like six, seven years ago that never really took off, but it, he had kept the kind of like the ID and all that stuff. And it was called Pod Strickland. So it was kind mm. of perfect. We were like, well, we'll just take that, I guess, and run with that. So um, it was not, I, I'm not creative. Uh, I'm creative at like cursing and getting mad, but I'm not creative at coming up with anything like a podcast title or anything like that. Let's take a step back. When you found out RJ Barrett got the extension, did that mean in your opinion, the Donovan Mitchell deal was done? Because a lot of experts in the roster construction field, shall I say, said it was still possible, but where, what were your thoughts on it when you found out RJ got the extension besides that you were happy for RJ getting big money, you know? Yeah. I mean, my first thought was it would sure be nice if the official Knicks account would just tweet it. Cause then I would feel like, okay, now there's no chance he's going in a trade. But um, mm. as far as the trade, yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely still possible. Um, I don't think there's, there's no doubt about it. There's no way that like, did he want RJ? Sure. But look at what they got. Um, if the Knicks had matched the draft compensation, I mean, just at a very basic level, would you rather bet against the Knicks with R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Donovan Mitchell, or would you rather bet against the Cavs with Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Donovan Mitchell? I think you would always bet against the Knicks in that scenario. Um, So, like, if the Knicks put in the same draft compensation that the Cavs did, I think the deal would have gotten done. Um, There were other contracts they could have put in there, other young guys. But at the end of the day, like, I just, I'm happy they didn't make the deal because I just don't see what you could have possibly built. Um, I, I didn't really want Donovan Mitchell that badly, especially not at the price that 
I always suspected Danny Ainge was holding out for. Um, and, you know, look at what he got. So, yeah, I don't think the Knicks were in a position to match that. So um, could they have done it after the R.J. Barrett extension? Yeah, I, I thought it was still, like, definitely on the table. Um, and I thought it was very possible. I even thought it was – I mean, a lot of people still thought, okay, R.J. Barrett's not going to go, but they still had the picks. They still got other pieces that probably the team that, like, still has the best odds. But um, – yeah, I mean, I thought it was definitely still possible for sure. So if you're saying it was more about the picks than a player like RJ, we know who RJ is, but are you saying that you feel like a deal could have still been done without RJ with just a whole bunch of picks? I think if the Knicks had put in Fournier's contract and then thrown in like Grimes and quickly or Obi, something like that, with yeah, the what, picks, they, what have you heard about the reports of them not wanting to give up Grimes? Like he was almost like an untouchable. I, I don't, I think it's being reported. So the, all the reporting on the, from the Knicks side, I think it's all messed up because like the, the, the thing is the Knicks had so many picks. They had so many assets. They had so many things they could put in the deal that I think there's probably so many iterations that were thrown out there. But as far as the Grimes piece, I don't buy it. I think what ended up happening is the Knicks were trying to use RJ Barrett as a piece to bring down the pick ask. And uh, in that scenario, they were like, well, if we're dealing RJ, we're not giving up, you know, we're not going to give up Quentin Grimes too. Because if you just look at the roster, they have four wings and one of them is Evan Fournier, who is like a defensive liability. And then Grimes is a really good defender, but he's not a big wing. So it's just, it'd be like, it's like RJ and Reddish are the only two I, I would feel comfortable calling them like true, you know, quote unquote, true wings. And Tom Thibodeau is not a huge fan of Reddish. So like, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense that if you're going to give up RJ and Fournier in the deal that you would also give up Grimes. So I think in that scenario is like, look, we can't give you both. Um, so I think if Ainge was insistent in the initial discussions on like, I have to get RJ, then yeah, of course, like I, I get why, it was reported that Grimes was untouchable. I don't buy that. I mean, there's been reporting from Knicks reporters like Ian Begley, I believe, uh, that have talked about, like, there were packages that they had offered or at least discussed involving Quentin Grimes. So it wasn't like, you know, there, there's no... Let's be real. In the NBA in general, and especially in the Knicks, there are a handful of players that are truly untouchable, and the Knicks do not possess any of them. So um, that I, I don't buy that for a second. Do you feel it was a mistake to put R.J. Barrett in trade deals, especially for the reason that there's a good chance he could be coming back? Maybe they felt like once they put him in, he wasn't coming back. But do you feel that hurts the relationship when it comes to R.J. and the Knicks? Uh, I mean, look, if it, was, if it was so hurt, he wouldn't have signed the extension. Like, he would not have agreed to an extension to stay there. Do I think they had to, like, mend some fences and the Wait, what, was it was it out before or after the extension happened so the, i mean there was reporting the week leading up to the extension that he had been offered in the deal oh, okay i okay. think based on the fact that he took an extension that is like well below the max it's about four years 108 guaranteed and then there's 12 million in incentives to take it up to potentially 120 um just based on that like do i think he would have I think he definitely, if he had wanted to play it out and gone to restricted free agency next year, he would have gotten a better offer than, or at least matched that offer. I, I think that that was always going to be there for him. Um, but it's, you know, like, 
did they so I, I think he in some part took that extension because he's like okay I want to be in New York and I definitely would rather not be in Utah so let me take this extension I'll stay here um, but yeah I mean I think for sure like nobody likes to be in trade talks right so do the Knicks have to like you know do some some work on the relationship I'm sure they do I'm sure they do they'd be negligent not to um, but I don't know like look in a in a league like this when you got Jalen Brown was on a trade offer this offseason right after going to the the finals I know it's Kevin Durant and he's obviously better playing Donovan Mitchell but at the end of the day like that's the that's how the league is. If you're not one of those guys, you're going to be on the table. Like you're going to be on the table for an all star. You're going to be on the table for all NBA guys. Um, and like if they didn't like him, they wouldn't offer the extension they did. They don't necessarily think he's the greatest player in the league, obviously. Um, but you know, like you don't commit dollars like that if you don't have any respect for the player. And I don't think if the relationship is so bad he would have signed a four-year guaranteed extension, right? He didn't even get a player option in the final year. So that's a deal that effectively, if the Knicks want to, that locks him into being a New York Knick until the end of the 2026-2027 season. So it's a yeah. long time. Yeah, shifted, shifting to RJ, the player, 22 years old. He's shown improvement every year. I think there still could be some improvement when it comes to the shooting and getting an opposite hand. He showed that opposite hand a little bit more throughout the course of this past season. I do think he lacks a little bit of elusiveness, um, craftiness. Yeah, he's not yeah he's not like craftiness as a lot of the best players have in the NBA. So where do you land on his potential? Like, best case scenario for R.J. Barrett, where do you think he could land in terms of just potential in general? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when you're looking at him, right, and you kind of look at where can improvements come from, so much of it to me is not even necessarily like, yeah, I, I agree the shooting has to come along, pull up threes, pull up mid-range, all that stuff. There's no doubt about that. Um, but like so much of his improvement can just come from making better decisions because I agree he's not shifty. He is not the most elusive guy. But what he is is built like a goddamn tank and nobody can stop him getting into the paint. He averaged something like, I think he averaged over 15 drives per game. Uh, starting in like mid-December so that's mass that's insane for a wing especially on a team like let's just say that Tom Thibodeau is not the most creative offensive mind um so like looking at that what I notice what pops to me is like he puts up a lot of junk shots from like three to ten feet Florida range that's not a good shot for him he doesn't have the touch on those shots that's okay because what I would love for him to do is increase the amount of times he is kicking out to shooters because the volume that he drives at, he's collapsing defenses constantly. He is forcing defenders to collapse on his drives. For him, that next step, the best evolution he can make is to become a better playmaker. Because if you just look at, if you just watch the, you know, I literally this offseason, I watched every single drive of his this offseason, this season. If you watch how many times he just ends up taking some stupid, you know, it, like a terrible off balance little flip shot or whatever. And then you look on the opposite side and you're like, he had a wide open corner shoot. Oh, he had a wide open guy to tap the key. And we've seen him make those passes. So to me, it's like the recognition of, hey, you have done your job. Like, there are times when you've already done your job by collapsing the defense, and you don't need to score. You've got guys around you. Kick it out to them. Let them shoot the three. Um, 
But, you know, look, I think there's also an element, let's be real, 20 points per game is a nice number when you're going into an extension discussion. I think that he probably wanted to get that number. He got his money. Now it's about, let's live up to the contract. And I wonder if there's an element of like, okay, I'm more settled now. I have this money. And now, and, and that, it's not to say it, you're selfish, but there is always like a, it's a business, right? You're, you're subconsciously always going to be looking out for yourself a little bit. So I think now that he's locked in, that's, that, that can't be an excuse anymore. Now there's no excuse to be like, why are you forcing up, you know, three, because like three or it's, you're talking about like two or three stupid shots a game that you eliminate into kicks to threes. And all of a sudden the efficiency is way up, the assist can go up. And that's, that to me is like the low hanging fruit for him. Not, I don't get the finishing, even if he's always a poor finisher, like the fact that he gets there all the time mitigates that to an extent. Um, and in general, like, look, he's a six-six wing who is look, they list him at like 220. He looks like he's about 230 at this point. Um, he plays a ton of minutes, he can handle a ton of minutes, he doesn't complain, he's a good pro. Like, this is the guy, like, this is a guy, especially at that price point on that contract. If you're not gonna bet on him, then you might as well just not, you know, like what are you gonna do? Like, what what are you betting on? And I get I get why he was in a Donovan Mitchell trade discussion, but like, I also think anybody that's worried about this extension, like, or thinks it's risky, then you're just not willing to take risks because that's not really a massive risk to me. Yeah. uh, To play devil's advocate, you said kick out to shooters. Could it be that he just felt like it was a better shot that he was taking than maybe some of the shooters he had around him? Yeah, I mean, it would also help if the starting lineup had better spacing, right? Right, like you exactly, have, exactly. Yeah, you have Mitchell Robinson at the five, who is an awesome vertical lob threat, but, like, that's that's it. He doesn't do anything else, and there are so many times where you can watch, like, RJ is going to drive, and then Mitch is, like, already trying to position himself for an offensive rebound, right? So that brings his man naturally there. And then the Randall thing is just, you know, it it is what it is. He's not... I, let's just say he's not uh, well-respected as a shooter. Uh, so, yeah, I think the spacing issues are for sure part of it. But, like, I've watched enough where that can only be an excuse for so much, right? Like, it, it can only excuse inefficiency to a point. But, yeah, no, I think, I think like, if you want to give that some percent of the blame, that's totally fair. But for me, like, I love RJ, but, like, if I, I, I got to hold him to a higher standard, and I think – I think he should be held to a higher standard. He's a talented player who needs to like maximize on his the openings he's creating, really. Yeah, what do you feel like the Knicks should do with Julius Randle at this point? I know a lot of people would say his trade value is at its lowest, but do you feel like it could be a good idea to trade him? I would love if they traded him. I would attach a protected first to trade him. Um, I think they need to get rid of him. I think he's a massive obstacle to the team. I think he is arguably the biggest obstacle to like th- there is no path to contention or anything with Julius Randle. And he actively blocks the type of player he is. He demands usage. That usage is coming at the expense of younger players who you need to figure out, like what can these guys become? You know, you drafted Obi top and ink overall. He's a super efficient scorer. He is an awesome quick decision maker, which this team desperately needs. He's yeah. also easily like I, I'm. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. There are very, very, very few big men I have ever watched 
that move off the ball as much and as often and as quickly as he does. It is like constant movement with him. Um, yeah. And I think like with this team, like, look, you added Jalen Brunson, really good addition. I think RJ Barrett, like those two guys, they're not exactly like, they don't get the ball and immediately swing it to somebody, right? Like they, they like to size up a, like the defender and make it, you know, call for a pick. That's fine. Like you need that too. But within an offense like that, you also need guys that can, as soon as an advantage is created, they can multiply that, right? They're making a quick decision with it, be it an attack or swing it to the opposite side. And I think that's what Obi brings that Julius doesn't. Julius is like, he's going to get the ball. He's going to hold his hand up at the elbow and act like he's Carmelo Anthony and demand the ball, get it, size up, jab, step, jab, step, take yeah. some horrible hurt. Like it's, yeah. that, just, that, you, that's not what you want to do in the modern NBA, unless you're like at the level of a KD or, Somebody at that right. level. Yeah, and, yeah. and even with the KD, like we saw in the playoffs, when a great defense can load up on action like that, they get physical with you, bump it. Like if KD has troubles with stuff like that, Julius Randle cannot play like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, and also and yeah. also KD's hitting you from a lot of different angles. Like yeah. he's not only in the high post, he's like transition threes, off the ball, anything yeah. you need. I mean, yeah, he's, he's like an all-around, one of the yeah. best exactly. perimeter scorers ever. You know, like Julius Randle is Julius Randle. Like, it's not the it's not the same thing. But like, look, Randall's a talented player, but yeah, for the Knicks, I just don't see like what is the vision with Julius? You know, like what is what are you doing there? And and like from like this is just me. Like, and I I understand why non Knicks fans aren't as high on our young players because like why would you be? You're not going to sit there and crunch like the 15 minutes a game Obi Toppin gets the 22 minutes a game that quickly gets right. You're not watching their growth game to game season to season. I understand all that, but like if I'm the Knicks, I look at this, this is a season. Look, I understand why the last two years, they kind of like, look, you had that awesome year in 2020, 21, where you just make a playoff run out of nowhere. I get why you like, you tried to, you know, walk this middle ground of signing some vets, but not giving up on your young talent. I get that, but look at what happened last year. And that's okay. Like you learned a lesson. Like, this team with these vets is not going anywhere. So what you need to do is, like, give your young guys the opportunity. Like, hey, look, this is your show. We got you a solid starting point guard, like Jalen Brunson. This is your guy's show. We want to see what you do when it's up to you, when there's no Julius Randle here, you know, as the center of the offense, when, you know, Tom Thibodeau can't call 20 pick and rolls for Alec Burks, when he can't run the, the, back, the bench offense through Derrick Rose. We want to see what you guys can do in those moments. and. That's how you learn about your young talent. And that's also like, like, why do you think Utah was like, well, it's cool that you guys like these guys, but we're not going to value them the way you want us to value them. We want your, we want them and more unprotected picks. Like if you don't give them the opportunity on the court, then they're never going to accrue the value that you want them to. Um, and like, you know, quickly, look, he's got to play like 25, 26 minutes this year, minimum. Obi Toppin, third year, eighth overall pick, who is 24 years old, like, you have to give that guy minutes. Like, you have to find a way to get him on the floor and see what he can do. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think the path forward for the Knicks is not with Julius Randle. It's just not. Um, because he's not even a guy that you can be like, oh, um, you know, like, Evan Fournier, right? I would like if he's off the team, right? Like, because we talked about, like, I don't really want the vets here. But if Evan Fournier is here, you can use him off the ball and he doesn't get in the way. He's a spot up shooter. He can space the floor for you. 
there are ways to like use him productively as almost a way to like help your young guys develop offensively. Julius Randle cannot be used like that. He he can't. So um yeah, I, I think he he really needs to go. Yeah, I mean a big issue for the Knicks has been for a while, in my opinion, that they can't generate easy buckets. Do you feel that's more because of the roster construction or what the coaching staff is doing with the roster on the court? Uh, maybe like a little bit of everything, but like you need a more dynamic shot creator. That's why they were interested in Donovan Mitchell. There's no secret about that. Um, you need, I, I do think that I'll be quite honest. I think I really do believe this. I think both Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin are guys that would look a lot better in a more, I don't want to say, I don't like using the word free flowing, but I think an offensive system that has more, secondary and tertiary sets to go into when the primary action fails um uh, the knicks are like you run the pick and roll you have one action that doesn't work then if that doesn't yield an advantage for the ball handler it's iso time for somebody there's not like you know you compare that to a team like golden state where it's like okay they come down they run some split action that doesn't get anything throw it to the second side they got something else going on over there okay, that doesn't work. Now you go back to stuff. Like, there's all these things that they're doing all the time. And I'm not like, look, asking the Knicks to be the Warriors with their talent is obviously not the standard. That's ridiculous. Um, but, like, there's a better way to use these players. And there's probably better ways to juice the offense. You know, like, it's okay to play small. It's okay to try to open up the floor. It's okay to do a lot of these things that Tom Thibodeau is, he's never done. He really is not – he does not do it. He's – I think Julius Randle and Obi Toppin, I want to check. All right, I don't remember. But I want to say over two years, they've played barely over 200 minutes together, which is crazy to me. Like, that, that is crazy. Um, I think – I would venture to guess maybe him and Doc Rivers are the only two coaches in the NBA that would be that reticent to use those two together, um, which, again, not surprising that – guess where Tom Thibodeau? Guess who he coached under? Once upon a time, Doc Rivers. Um, so I think that like there's roster, like there's some talent deficiency issues for sure. But I also think, um, look, with, with Brunson now, like do the Knicks have some top 10 offensive weapon? No, obviously not. But Brunson is like a capable point guard. He's a capable shot creator. He's a really good shot creator, actually. And efficient. Um, He's efficient yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Very efficient. He's a very good mid-range shooter. He's I think he, he last year on guys that averaged over 10 drives per game in the league, he he was second in field goal percentage. Number one is Giannis. Like, that's crazy. That is insane for a guy his size to be that efficient. And also, like, look, there, there were valid concerns about can he do it when the when defenses dial up the pressure in the playoffs, when they start focusing on these guys, scouting reports are out. He proved a lot last year in the playoffs. He got the 40-piece on Utah. I know they weren't the greatest defensive team, but he did that without Luke on the floor. He dropped 40 and 30 without Luke on the floor in that series. Uh, he had a really nice series offensively against Golden State. He had a good series against Phoenix. Like, the guy's a really good player. And so at this point, if you can't be a little bit more creative with your playbook, to the like, all we can do is theorize, right? Can this talent be used better? And up until this year, the last few years, if you wanted to lean on the, like, well, he doesn't have a point guard, doesn't have a point guard, doesn't have a point guard. That was like a nice thing to lean on. I reject it, but if you wanted to lean on that, you had it. You don't have that excuse anymore. Like, he has a point guard. So it is on him at this point 
to get a little bit more creative and not just a point guard, right? Like, I, I think you would say that RJ Barrett, yeah, is he like a lead ball handler? No, but he's a good secondary guy to swing the ball to after yeah. primary action. I think quickly has shown a lot in his two years um, as like a secondary guy, even potentially a primary later on. And then like, you know, again, we talked about Obi, but he's just a dynamic play finisher. Like there are ways to use these guys that has to extend beyond what we've seen over two years. And if he can't do that, then I do think it's fair to say that like, to some extent, he is failing the roster. Yeah. Yeah. You use the word free flowing. And I think a lot of what the Knicks do is rigid. Even when it comes to tips, coaching style, Julius Randle and RJ are a little bit rigid. And I do like the idea of quickly because he, no pun intended, gives you those quick hitting buckets. Like he'll shoot it past the drive it and not play with the basketball. Obi Toppin's a lob threat. So I think you do have a good argument there to play those guys. And also they're young. You got to see what they could do. They, they, you know what they do, and they give you an injection of like creativity, freelancing yeah. a little bit that yeah. I don't think they have otherwise. Like, like you need, and I think this is where Tibbs struggles a lot offensively. Is he's like, what makes him such a great defensive coach in a lot of ways is he is drilling you every single day, every single rep, every single time on the floor on exactly what he wants you to execute. That's what makes his defense. You know, look, the Knicks had if you if you take out all the minutes Kemba Walker played last year, the Knicks were again a top five defense. Okay, and like they were really good on defense, basically in all the minutes that Kemba Walker didn't play. And that is not with any like all world defenders. That is not with any guy that you would call elite. So like I think there's definitely you know Tibbs deserves credit for that. He definitely can still coach defense. I know there was questions about that after his Minnesota stint because they weren't a great defensive team. Of like you know as the league. Is his defensive scheme outdated? I I never really bought that, and I definitely don't buy it after two years in New York. I think it's just about you have the guys that are disciplined enough um, to like to execute it consistently because it is very much like it's hard for perimeter guys, especially collapse down in the drive, get back out to shooters. It's a very taxing defense. So he deserves credit for that. But that same rigidity, that same like drill sergeant mentality, I think hurts him offensively because. He like there's a the Knicks are have been one of the lowest turnover teams the last couple of years. That's not because they're like just super careful. I mean, they are super careful with the ball, but it's not because they have these guys who are like it's not like a bunch of Chris Pauls out there, right? It's because they don't like Tibbs does not allow them the opportunity to fail to some extent, right? Like young players, especially guys that you're hoping to turn into like creative offensive talents they need to fail. Like they have to be allowed to fail to develop. And we saw that with quickly last year where he really struggled for the first half of the year, right? Like he, he goes away after his first year. He was a great rookie, right? Goes away. They tell him, we want you to work on point guard skills. It works on all these point guard skills. He comes back. He's so excited to show them. And Tibbs is like, okay, I'm so happy you did all this. Derek Rose is my backup point guard. You're going to still play the same exact role. Then Derek Rose goes out and you see quickly is like, trying to take the mantle, take the reins. He struggles with that. But then you come up the other side. You look at his last 20 games of the year, the guy was a monster. He was he averaged like 15, 5, and 5 in, you know, 23 or 24 minutes a night. And we're talking about like, I think it was like 44, 41 splits from the field. Um, he was a monster. He had a, he had a freaking 30-point triple-double last game of the year. I know it's not the most competitive game that was ever played against the Wizards, but like you put up 30 a 30 point triple double against NBA players. I don't care who they are. 
uh, sorry, it was not the Wizards, it was the Raptors. I don't care how much they're not concentrating. Like, that's real. That That's talent. Um, and we've seen him have monster games. Like, this is a guy who had 20 in the fourth quarter against Miami, you know, in a 17-point comeback. Like, you don't do that if you're not a talent. And he's, like, he just needs more rest. And, like, and that's really what I'm, like, with him and Obi, you've seen enough now where it's, like, you got to let them off the, the reins. Like, you know, you got to loosen up the reins a little bit. You got to give them a chance here to really do or not do, right? Like, they, they have to have the opportunity. So, um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, all right. So let's finish with Cam Reddish because when Cam Reddish came to the team, I've been a believer in Cam Reddish for a while now. I think he's super talented, but I knew going into it, and I'm sure I've stated it on a podcast, either on mine or another podcast, that I didn't think it was the greatest mix when it comes to him and Tibbs. And so much about being a successful NBA player is fit. Where do you see this going with Cam? And is he one of those guys along with quickly and top and you'd like to see get more opportunity this season? Look, I have, I've always seen the talent. Like you, it's hard. You can see the talent. Okay. Yeah, Literally, exactly. You just look at him. It's easy to see. Um, but I have always, I'm always somebody who like, to some degree, I can buy the talent, but I need to see the production and the production going back to Duke has not always been there um, in terms of efficiency, decision-making, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, but there is talent there. There are tools that you cannot teach. Six, eight, seven, one, the guy stands out, you know, even on an NBA court, like he stands out. Um, I've seen him stand next to Julius Randle. They're the same height, but he's a wing. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not, that, that's a rare, that's a rare physical, you know, toolbox that he's got. Um, and at the end of the day, if you're the organization, whoever it was, whoever was pushing for it, you traded a protected first round pick to get this guy. So somebody saw the talent and was like, it's worth investing some level of asset to him. Right. Um, and at, when it comes to that, like, yeah, I would love to see him play. I would love to see him get reps. I would love to see all of that because Again, what are you trying to do, right? Like, are you going to be a contender? That, there's no there's no way to use the roster they have right now where you're like, well, if we do it right, we can be a contender this year, right? No, there's no way you can do that. There's nothing there. But So, like, you're playing for what can we be two, three, four years from now? And Cam Reddish, like, is he going to immediately be, you know, at the, like, he's not a guy where if you plug him in right now, at the end of the year, you're going to look at his on-off numbers and be like, oh, my God, wow, every time he's on the court, the team just, is like plus 12. No, he's a guy who he might be like a minus six for a while. Like he, he's going to hurt you because he has stuff that he needs to figure out. But you see flashes with him. Like there have been some games with him where you're like, he gets into spots on drives. Like he's got this lateral kind of shiftiness off the dribble hop steps that he can take. Nobody else in the roster has that. And on, and on defense laterally, yeah. he's amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah, a yeah, one-on-one one -on -one defense, he's, he's great. His issue on defense is, like, one, he falls asleep off ball all the time. Second, yeah, he, yeah. he gets caught up on screens constantly. But the tools, but like, on, the tools on ball, ridiculous. He showed that in oh. Atlanta in serious playoff games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and, like, to me, that's where, as a front office, I don't – if Tom Thibodeau, if Tom Thibodeau has, doesn't have the patience, right? He thinks that he's got to win every basketball game right now. And the, it's up to the front office to be, like, one, either explain to him, like, we don't give that you want to win every basketball game right now. We need you to develop Cam Reddish. 
right? Like, we don't care where those minutes are coming from. And actually, you know, we do care. They should be coming at the expense of Evan Fournier. They should be coming at the expense of Derrick Rose. And, like, if that if he won't play ball with that, then it's on them as a front either one, to fire him and get a coach that will, or two, move these vets. Don't give him an option. Because, again, you traded protected first for this guy. That's obviously, I'm not saying, like, He's, she should start and play 30 minutes a game. That's not the, what the investment is saying. But he is a guy you should be like, okay, look, Tom, you're a really great defensive coach. You know how to drill guys. You know how to teach technique. You know how to teach this stuff. This is worth your time. This is a project worth your time. Because, like, do I don't I, – like, I, I, there's always like, – I, I guess Tibbs just doesn't like projects. He just <laughs> wants to <laughs> – But, like, and, and Cam is so weird because he's this guy, like, it's hard to discern, like, what – because he had these people that were like next T-Mac, next to stuff. And I'm like, like, let's relax. Like, maybe not next T-Mac. But can he just be like, if you look at his per 100, per 36 numbers, his first three years in the league, go compare them to Andrew Wiggins. Like, and is Andrew Wiggins, like, I know he made an all-star, but is he like a real all-star? You know what I mean? No. But, but Andrew Wiggins is a damn good player. And he was probably the second best player in that championship series for the Golden State Warriors. So, like, if you can develop Cam into that level of player, which is not a high bar, right? It's more like that's like the light bulb turning off for him and being like, oh shit, I am 6'8 with a 7'1 wingspan. Like, I should use that stuff. Like, that's what that is. And if that ever goes off and you get like, you know, we know this. Wings are, if you don't like, superstars are the number one. Doesn't matter what size, shape, or form they are, they're the number one currency. But wings, like you need wings in this league, and Cam is a wing uh, with physical tools. I think his measurables are pretty much comparable to Jason Tatum. Um, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying it's Jason Tatum. Just like the physical tools are comparable, and um, you know, you look at the amount of switching that happens in the playoffs and stuff like that. You need a guy like that. Um, so yeah, I would love to see him play. I think you know, bring him off the bench. I would be pretty excited for that. And uh, I, I hope they keep him. I hope they figure out a way to get him on the floor. I hope so too. Shuen, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and where can we find your podcast? Uh, you can find me at Shuen Poo on Twitter. Uh, and I host a pod called Pod Strickland. You can find that on the website, thestrick.land. And uh, also anywhere, obviously, that you access your podcast, Spotify, Apple Pod- Podcasts, all that iTunes, all these good things. <laughs> Schwinn, thanks so much for taking the time. When the Knicks are in the uh, finals hunt, I'll bring you back on. <laughs> or even the playing hunt. We'll bring you back yeah. on. We'll talk more Knicks, hopefully. Or the, uh, or the Wembenyama hunt. They'll be in one of the hunts. That's all that matters, <laughs> right? Schwinn, thanks for taking the time. You're always welcome back and talk soon. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. There it is, episode 400 of Combos Court. Big shouts to Schwinn for joining in. Big shouts to everyone who listens to the show across the globe. If you would like to support this podcast, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. And share this episode. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 401, Combo Out.